So it was pointed out by our next guest yesterday that we have hit game 23 of the Toronto Maple Leafs season. They're 17-4-2. It's pretty good. I think we would all agree that 17-4-2 and being in first place is pretty good. Last season, game 23 was when Mike Babcock was fired. Uh, it was the Marc-Andre Fleury game. He stood on his head. We actually all agreed after that game, if you remember, that the Leafs had a nice bounce back, that they lost, but that they showed a lot of heart and that Jason Spezza was leading the charge. And wow, what a guy Jason Spezza is for playing so hard for Mike Babcock, who had just disrespected him. But the Leafs, still, they fell below 500. They were 9-10-4. Babcock gets fired. Sheldon Keefe takes over. And yes, Sports Talk Radio is fire because that's what we know here that's what we do here our next guest wrote a book about the pain of being a toronto maple leafs fan it's a bestseller and now that book is looking like it's going to be something that kids see and they're going to be like you know when your kids are raised ben hopefully they go daddy what what is this team is ruining my life why would the toronto maple leafs have hurt steve dangle so much it'll just be fine they've won so many times papa they own the North Division. They own all of these other Canadian teams. What what are these stories that Bill he tells of? Writing yeah. Red Sox books before two thousand. Right, right, and that is what's happening here. So Steve Dangle, podcaster, digital host, and author of this team is ruining my life, joins us now to talk about the history books. How are we doing? I I, I like that very much. I, I hope that book becomes like MC Hammer Pants, or yeah. at, at some point I'm going to have to show my son pictures of me with frosted tips. Yeah. And that's not going to be a proud day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's not a proud day. At least yours wasn't on national television. Like, have you seen Andrew Walker's? Did you see him tweet that? No. He had frosted yeah. tips? No way. Yes. The best part is it was before he was a sports journalist, and somehow he got on, I think it was Hockey Night in Canada. What? And he's there with Scott Oak. You haven't seen that? It's during the no. Oilers playoff run, and he's there. It's like 06, 06 <laughs> Walker with his frosted tips. <laughs> Yeah, he did. No yeah, yeah, he tweeted a video of it. He's Shorter just standing there not saying, now. "Oh, buddy, he's never like there." There are some really funny how short Walker is photos out there, mm-hmm. like Incredible. him standing next to our friend Brent Gunning at a Blue Jays game and getting captured on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gunning six four, Walker I think is five foot four, five foot five. He's no, he's guy. not. Yeah, he is. I think. <laughs> yeah, he's five foot. Like, yeah, he's five foot four, man. He's Muggsy Bogues' <laughs> height. Like that's the same thing. It's Walker and Muggsy Bogues, same guy. So except for one can't dunk. <laughs> like that's it. So yeah, tough. And one is not a millionaire uh, or universally beloved. Actually, you know what? This is a bad comparison for anything other than height. Poor walks. So, anyways, man, we uh, we feel as though there's just so little to complain about. Like there's just nothing. That we've got to stay humble, got to reconnect with our roots. It can't all be just, you know, me trolling every single uh, Canadian North Division fan base every single night. Like, it just can't be that. So, wanted to have you on today because, yeah, Leaf fans, I think it's part of our DNA to have things to complain about. That it's just, you know, the sky is falling. What could go wrong? When is it going to go wrong? And right now, like, even Barabanov is all of a sudden good. Like the like lightning rod, <laughs> William Nylander is just ripping it up. He looks amazing. I, I don't know what the complaints are, so I figured that we could each go, we could do a draft, and we could pick basically what we think the major things in Leafland are to complain about right now. Ooh, okay. I like that. A draft. Okay. Yes. I'm into it. Let's do it. 
Okay, so then, uh, Steve, do you want to start? You want us to start? How do you want to do this, like, for the first overall pick? Because I think that the first overall pick is actually pretty clear. You, you know what? I'm I'm the guest, so I'm the visitor. Home team, you go first. Okay. Ben, I'm going to go, right. unless you want it. <laughs> I have a couple of different ways I can take these, and it also okay. should be mentioned that I invented this game in 2015 for the Blue Jays uh, on their miracle run. I did a show. So, yes, patent pending. I said it then. So, yes, um, you go. You go ahead. Thank you. I will take the first overall pick. With the first overall pick in the Leafs draft, I select, we can't be there. Mm, yeah. Can't go to the games. That's can't go to any of them. Can't overpay for them. Can't go down and buy my, like, $18 poutine, which I, of course, have to get the large, hammer it into my stomach over the course of one period, then feel sick for the next two periods and watch the hockey game. Can't go. Can't be there. Can't be in the building. I actually feel as though this would have been a season where because of the composition of the division, and, I mean, like, we don't have it without the parameters, but even still, just go with me here, where we would have just had the best crowds over and over and over again. And actually in Toronto with this buzz, finally having a season where they're just like the dominant team and the fun team every night and where they beat up on people, that it probably would have changed the energy in the building and that it maybe, just maybe, would have made it more than just about going and eating poutine for me, actually being at a Leafs game and not just hearing horrible conversations and feeling like I am part of the 1% of the 1%. So Maple Leafs complaint number one, we cannot be there. I wish we could be there. Wow, that is that is a very good one. But I, I got one that I think is very good. I'm happy okay. with this pick. Okay. Second overall. Second overall. Okay, so we we all know about knockoff jerseys, and I'm not yeah. talking about those. This is but my number one. This is my number one. Pe- people of a certain age got to experience those weird black and navy Leafs jerseys that I'm pretty sure they they sold at Sears. Yeah. My generation had that. This generation has the reverse retro jerseys. And I want to wear the newest jersey to the game. Obviously, I can't go to the game. But if I did, I would want to wear the newest jersey they have. And they have that. Who chose gray? I just want to talk. Uh, Second overall pick, reverse retro jerseys. Yeah, I I actually have it at number two. I have that as number two, is the ugly third uniform. It's, It's really... It's an abomination. Like, every time they wear it, I, I spend, like, a minute trying to talk myself into it, and then I watch it for five more seconds. I'm like, wait, I'm not a fan of the Atlanta Thrashers. Like, I don't, I'm not supposed to live this life where I have to talk myself into a weird uniform. I'm a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's supposed to be one of the nicest sweaters in all of professional sports. It's a classic uniform. That's what every franchise wishes they had is a classic uniform. And there's one mistake that they all make, whether it's college sports, whether it's professional sports, it's the teams with the classic uniforms going away from what works, which is just being more classic and going back in time. When you try to go forward thinking and try to be like the new thing or look like you're an expansion franchise, it's awful. You're not playing the part. The ugly third uniforms is a great pick. It's an excellent pick. I had it as number two. I just, you know, I like to go to games, so I had to put mine no, there. That, you know, yours was obvious. and yeah. it had I know. To be hey, listen, one. I took the slam dunk. I took the, the, the chip shot. No, but this is the other not. one where it's like, I think the rest of the draft, Ben, you're in a tough spot now because the rest of the draft is like these were the two picks that that were right there on the table now now you're in a spot i'm curious to see where you go with this uh okay i hope this fits in Uh, i feel like i'm gonna get killed with whatever i say but uh 
referees are still a joke. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are ninth in power play opportunities, which is not like 30th, which they've been the last couple of years. So they're actually getting power play opportunities. But they're the most dominant team in all of the NHL. That's not to say that they're the best, but they're the most dominant. Night in, night out. So ninth still isn't good enough. But you know what's more abominable than only being ninth in power play opportunities? Is the fact that they have 72 power play opportunities. They've been shorthanded 72 times as well. They've been shorthanded the exact number of times they've had power plays officiating is a joke across all sports we opened the show with the ridiculous ejection of devin booker yesterday the nhl watch any game with anyone who's seen an nhl game and you know that the team with two straight power plays is going to be shorthanded next there's just no doubt about it you know how i know because one, I watch hockey, and two, just look at that. Like, there's no way the Maple Leafs should be shorthanded the same number of times they've had power plays. They're bulldozing some of these teams. They're skating circles around them. 72 times shorthanded, 72 times on the power play. That's a joke. That is that is ridiculous. And, like, if you're, if you're a player on the Leafs or you're a player on any team, for crying out loud in the National Hockey League, how are you supposed to know how the game's officiated night in and night out? Look at how the games were called. Leafs versus Calgary, and now look at the difference, Leafs versus Oilers. I mean, I don't want the Leafs to ever take a penalty, but that one game where they went penalty-free, I'm like, oh, they should have had one or two, for crying out loud. I, it's just consistency. All we want is consistency, and there's none from game to game. So, normally I would have argued that this is a league-wide issue, but no, you're right, Ben. I'm, I'm personalizing it, which is that refs, they... They don't know how to properly officiate Leafs games. There's too many guys that are from Ontario, so they always try to make sure that it's balanced. Yeah. Nobody ever wants to stand out. You don't want to have anything. It's just like you're too aware. You're too aware of the narratives, and so you're worried about giving the Leafs too many calls. And so thus, the league is stacked against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which I've always felt and which I will always feel. And that's just the way it is. So it's, let's go snake draft. You can go again. That's a great pick. Like uh, okay. Refs being against Toronto sports is kind of like a, a, a real staple for all the teams. So uh-huh. you going here with this is like, that's, that's eternal. So like no matter what, even in a pandemic, we always say it's nice to have normalcy. Refs rigging games against the Toronto Maple Leafs, is, uh, that's, that's a good one. What's next? All right. All right. How about this one? Um, I don't like it when any of my takes – end up cold, freezing cold, or bad, especially in retrospect. But the Toronto Maple Leafs are making my gotta-do-everything-within-your-power-to-get-Jimmy-VC take when he became a free agent, when the Predators couldn't sign him. That is, like, it is frozen solid. It's underneath the ground. It's right next to the Mastodon. Like, it is awful. They hire his dad as the scout. I was so excited about Hobie Baker award winner Jimmy VC devastated that okay it makes sense he goes to MSG and for yeah that kid yeah that makes a lot of sense but man that could have been the missing piece what he did at Harvard nah man he was never that he was a little valuable for spurts but holy crap nothing close to the hype that that guy got and at this point He's getting subbed out in in practice time on the fourth line. He's in and out for for Nick Patan. Yeah, thanks a lot, Toronto Maple Leafs, making me feel stupid about wanting Jimmy VC four years ago. Wow, and that's you know what? Can I go straight to my pick because it's along the same vein? Yeah, it's along just, the same vein. Because I, I, you're complaining about a player who you expected more out of. My complaint is very first place team complaint 
because it's a player who's playing well. It's just that he's not scoring. Folks, Ilya Mikheyev shooting 4%. Like, forget Jimmy Vc. I don't know what his shooting percentage is because I'm not sure he's had a shot over the last 10 games. Yeah. Although he did have that one nice assist with Jason Spezza. Ilya Mikheyev, every game, he, he's the definition of the roller coaster ride that gets stuck right at the top. I go, oh, 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 every single penalty kill. And he's playing amazingly. I have no complaints, except, yes, I do. I want that puck to go in. We're, we're all getting flashbacks to Michael Grabner here, and now I'm just terrified he's going to go to some other team and score 40. I said it earlier in the week. I've never seen anything like the Mikheyev situation where it's a guy with so much talent, such a beautiful skater, obviously incredible anticipation skills to break up passing lanes, the ability to drive the net, stay consistent every shift, kill penalties, size, everything about Mikheyev you like. And yet there's just no finish. It's incredible. Like, part of me, though, I don't even have it as a complaint because there's a small part of me because the Leafs are successful that's like, I almost I almost wanted to keep going because it is so strange. Like, I feel like he's cursed. I said, I think that he hit a sorcerer with his car back in Russia and that if you go back to Russia, there's someone, like, watching all of these Maple Leafs games. There's a sorcerer with a limp who just, you know, uses a cane now and watches Ilya Mikheyev games and cackles. And, and I like oh, to think about that sorcerer. That's, that's so vivid, J.D. Are yeah. you okay? Have you been... You've been having fun during Leafs games there, bud? Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun during Leafs games. I got to tell you, like, uh, them beating all the teams that I've enjoyed uh, ripping friends over for, like, my entire lifetime and getting ripped uh, as being a Leafs fan, it's been great. Um, but, yeah, Mikheyev is just a guy that I really like, and I, I just think it's extremely weird. And, Benny, on your VC thing, um, you know it's bad when I think Alex Galchenyuk should get a chance over you. That's that's when you have reached a really, 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 really low point. And, yeah, I, I do think it's time for Jimmy Vesey to go. Um, with the with my second pick, I get back-to-back. Back. So I'll take, I'll take number – I'll take the Sandine injury first. Like, the Sandine injury Ooh. just sucks. Um, this is a guy who had this incredible year last year, uh, came up right away, showed more than we expected – Sent, gets sent down to the Marlies, but completely buys in. Like, we had him on the show. We get a conversation with him. He says they made the right call, which is a pretty rare thing to hear from somebody. But he said they made the right call, putting him down in the AHL and letting him grow his game down there. Then he goes to the World Junior Tournament, and he's the best player in the tournament. Like, he's incredible. He completely steals the show, comes back, plays for the Leafs, is part of a conversation about whether or not he should burn his entry-level contract, I, now I almost actually feel like it ended up being a good thing because it's going to be really, really hard for him to get a big money deal at this point. But yeah, this season, it's a year where a young guy doesn't get to play hockey. And then as soon as he gets back on the ice, he breaks his foot. It's just, it's a, it's brutal. It's, it's honestly brutal. It's one of the worst things of the season. It could have even been a little higher when it comes to actual hockey implications. Like, if this guy can't get his career back on track, it's going to be something that I think we discussed for a long time, that he's going to be the poster boy for the pandemic and how the pandemic changed the course of somebody's career within this organization. So Sandine injury, that's my pick. Any thoughts on that? Well, you're absolutely right. No, no, you're touching on something that I'm, I'm afraid of, and I just tuck it under my bed. 
And I go, nope, nope, that's a conversation for down the line that we're never going to have because it's not going to happen. But here's my question. If you're not playing hockey, how are you supposed to get better at it? And that doesn't just go for Sandine and guys who are injured. That goes for everybody. If you have prospects in the OHL right now, how stoked are you for them? They're not playing. How are they supposed to get better? I haven't called into your show for a while. I feel a little rusty. Do you see what I'm saying? Now imagine that's, that's professional hockey. It's, it's a great example. I know. It's, it's a terrifying conversation. And, oh, God, I, I, hope we, I hope we don't have to have it. Yeah. No, man, it sucks. It sucks, it sucks, it sucks. It's, it almost steps on something that I've got for later in the draft that I don't want to mm-hmm. tease when you get another pick. But, yeah, I no, do. It's, it's, it's brutal because we talk about the Jays' depth. There's incredible depth on the, this Leafs team, but not as much yeah. when the guy's breaking his foot. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I'm not going to get a pick in a while, so i got to take this one because maybe it's my last pick. But um, I was, I was going to go with salary cap because I love – I loved like 2002, 2003 when the Leafs just went out and got everybody because it didn't matter. And they just said, yeah, we'll get Owen Nolan. Yeah, we'll get Doug Gilmore. Yeah, we'll get Phil Housley. Yeah, we'll get Brian Leach. Who cares? There's no such thing as a salary cap. So we'll just load up. And then the one year the Leafs are amazing, there is. And now we have to worry about whether they can afford Michael Granlund. Great. No, that's really good, League. Salary cap is just killing it. But no, my actual pick is going to be, Wait you know. Wait a second. You, you whoa, just whoa, did whoa, one. Whoa, whoa. You did one. Whoa. You were getting two picks. <laughs> I said I'm not taking it. Wait, no, I'm not taking it. And then you outlined your entire case for that one. Yeah, what an I'm not, absolute I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it, though. I'm letting you guys take it. I'm saying, like, that's I'm right there for ball. either of you guys wow. to take. That's yeah, right there. You know, I'm buddy. I'm leaving a prize Maple Leaf complaint <laughs> prospect on the table so I can oh select goodness. Dangle betraying the fans for making content with David Ayers. Um, I, I, wow. I've never seen, wow. like, so we get it, man. You're a rising star. You've got this thing going on with Edge. That's brilliant. That's hilarious. And, you know, you've built this base off of relating the Leafs fans and, and being part of it and giving good observations and, and relating and being the place where, you know, something bad happens, I want to hear from you, you know, I want to be the person. Something good happens, I want to hear from you. And all of a sudden, you know, the, people sell out. Like, that's the thing. Like, people sell out. And here comes David Ayers, the guy who has hurt Leaf fans more than anybody in the last, I don't know, my lifetime. And he's like, Dangle, you want to make some content? And you're like, of course. Of course I'll betray every one of my Leafs fans and just stab them right through the heart and make content with you, David Ayers. Of course. So, yeah, number, I don't even remember, picking the draft. My third pick, Steve Dangle betraying Leafs fans to be friends with David Ayers. Well, kids, let, let me give you a valuable lesson, all the kids listening to the radio right now. Yeah. If I could do it again, I would do it twice. Selling out is awesome. <laughs> the mortgage is paid. The car is paid. I would gladly do nine more videos with David Ayers. I don't care. That was a lot of fun, and I actually got to skate on an ice surface, which has been hard enough to do uh, this year, and when given the opportunity, I went, sure, I will relive a traumatic event so I can make that happen. But then you get, but the the other side of it is that JD gets to yell at you for a little bit on a radio show. It's probably not worth it, right? Yo, no, no, I'm really scared, guys. (laughs) I don't want to do this. How dare you? How dare you do it? 
Dude, he gets to yell at me on his rage yeah. radio show where he gets three consecutive picks. <laughs> no, yeah. I know that. <laughs> I have more picks. I have more picks. But yeah, no, that's my pick. I, I stand by it. Uh, you're you're just you betrayed everyone. You stabbed them in the heart, and now we know where you stand. And that's with David Ayers. That's with David Ayers. Uh, oh. who's, it's Dangle's pick. Uh, the traitor. Uh, over to you. Well, the, the traitor does have some answering to do, but it's not for David Ayers' friends. The moment. The second, the nanosecond, I started saying Austin Matthews 50 and 50, it went in the toilet. The absolute moment I said, if he scores 50 and 50, it'll be this historic thing. He should not only be nominated for the Hart Trophy, he should win it. The next night, big save Dave. The following night, it's big save Dave again. At least he assists on the OT winner. And now he's missed two consecutive games with a wrist injury. I should have never opened my big, stupid mouth. I ruined Matthews 50 and 50. Now, you might be asking yourself, Steve, he hasn't really missed that much time. Has he really screwed up his bid for 50 and 50? Here's what I learned looking up a list of players who have scored 50 goals in 50 games. Apparently, they count it as 50 Team games. Right. So even though Matthews has, what is it, 18 and 19 or 18 and 20, it's actually 18 and 23 because for some stupid reason, they actually count games that he didn't play in. I, I looked it up. They did the same for Cam Neely. They did a bunch that's right. uh, for, for other guys. Oh, that's ridiculous. So my complaint is against myself for jinxing him and also against that rule because it's stupid. Ben, who's the bigger jinx, Dangle or I? I have people pleading with me on the daily to stop talking about players because everybody I talk about turns to Ash. And, like, I went on Calgary Radio and I did the bit about uh, calling Dave Riddick Daniel Riddick and saying that it's the (laughs) worst nickname that anyone's ever been given, Big Save Dave, because he's not – like, it's the least deserving anybody's ever been since he has no big saves. And since then, he's been three straight games against the Leafs where uh, he's looked, again, like prime Dominic Hasek. Um, We did the whole bit on Freddie Anderson and how he deserves respect, and he gets hurt. I, I like. I, I really do feel Ilya Mikheyev was my choice of favorite player at the beginning of the season or a guy that I enjoyed playing. And again, he's cursed. And maybe that it isn't a sorcerer in Russia. Maybe it's me. Like, dangle with the 50 and 50. It's a toss-up. Well, and then, you know, your favorite player, Russell Wilson, you're talking about his MVP season. No, that's separate. That's separate. That's separate. That's separate. No, that's separate. That's separate. That's separate. Uh, listen, that doesn't count. I don't count. listen that to Steve Dangle here. three hours a day, five days a week, so the sample mm. is way larger. Just on a gross standpoint, it's got to be you. I mean, my experience, it's you. You're mm. the mush of all mush. You mush it. Yeah, everything. Yeah, everything yeah, you touch I, turns to, to poop. I've been leaf smushing. I kind of think that, though, that Dangle, you and I, maybe we're, we're, we're canceling each other out. Like, there's some kind of weird polarity thing happening with the season where even with all the jinxing that we're doing, that it's fine. Like, it's still working out. Yeah, but it also feels like it can explode at any moment. Like, yeah, it does. It, it'll either create the Powerpuff Girls or the Joker. Like, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, one of my other picks is. Uh... Wait, what? Okay, so I was. I was... <laughs> what you can go is ahead. <laughs> no, but... I love how chaotic this is. I do three picks, and then in the middle of a round, it's someone else's pick. I didn't do three picks. picks. I'm yeah. just saying, dude, this is Brian Burke on the draft floor talking to Brian Murray, just saying, hey, is that the guy that you want? And then he goes and drafts Nazem Kadri. Like, that's, that's all the, I'm doing the, here. The he didn't get to both players. Podium. The act yeah. of stepping to the podium in this exercise is just saying things, right? So when no. you say things, that's you no. going to the podium. I get them. <laughs> no, I get them. Yeah, you clown. It's my turn, okay. all right? And the headline of this one I like a lot <laughs> mm. is the decor's just been too good and too healthy. I want to see more Miko Lettinen. <laughs> Mika Lettinen Ooh, has shown flashes. What a horrible pick. 17 goal, 49 let me have more picks. Finland. Um, and, yeah, man, I, I, at times he's popped. He's an incredible puck mover. All this hype preseason about what he could be and needing some time to adjust to the five-on-five five play, it's actually proven to be real. I wanted Lance. to see more Miko Lettinen, and we couldn't see him because the D has been too good. Lance, you should have played the wrap it up music, the Dave Chappelle wrap it up box like that. That should have been here for Ben's pick. What a horrible pick. Um, yeah, uh, like I, I, I don't know where we go from there. Like that's so bad. And you're supposed to pick twice now. Like you're supposed to get another pick and that was yours. Like I'm afraid that's to exactly ask. That's what... exactly the nature. Listen, as someone who invented this entire exercise, that's exactly the nature of these picks. Uh, here's another one. Zach Hyman oh, getting boy. too expensive. Uh, the hands oh. are actually... That's a good one. Uh, good. They're 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 starting to look. This makes up scary. for your horrific pick about the D being to, like no the, one's saying that. The point that. percentage is a little bit down from what it was last year, but mm -hmm. like he's all of a sudden driving a line. Like, do you think it's Pierre Ingval in the middle that's driving the third? No, it's Zach freaking Hyman, and he's mm -hmm. a pending free agent. And like, if there's ever going to be a hometown guy going to take a hometown discount, you would hope it's the guy who's ultimate team mm -hmm. player. But I wouldn't fault him at all for not because all he does is every game step onto the ice and be the hardest working Toronto Maple Leafs player be the guy that we made fun of as you know banging the puck into a square early in his career and all of a sudden he has hands and he's driving a line yeah that's it it's a problem how good Zach Hyman's been this year it's oh god I hate that that's the way we have to think now it's we we gotta this is this is the salary cap in a nutshell every single Leaf that's had a great season we've complained about it Mitch Marner was on like a 90-point pace heading into his contract year, and I dug in that year. I refused to complain about how expensive he was going to be. Don't worry, folks. It's going to be fine. He's going to sign for eight times $8 million. Ooh. Whoops. <laughs> now, I'm not going to complain about that. Now, he's holding up his end of the bargain. He's been very good. But I hate every time a player has success, we're like, well, gosh, darn it. Now we got to pay him. Zach, it's, do the thing. It's the Sign for League Men. I love you. I believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> I actually saw uh, Anthony Petrelli, um, who does really great work. I actually really like reading him. He posted a podcast that I haven't had a chance to listen to, but the podcast centers around who would you rather pay, Morgan Riley or Zach Hyman. And I actually don't think that's too far-fetched of a concept. Like, I, I wonder if it is going to come down to that. And honestly, my gut, like, I just, you know, they say that you make your, like, when you do multiple choice, like, your first answer is the one that you should stick with, that your gut is usually correct. And my gut is that I would keep Zach Hyman. 
And part of it is the price point. It's not just like who I think is the better player overall, but just like who I would rather have signed long term. That's how important I think he is. And yeah, like, I don't know what his contract looks like. I don't know how much he's going to get paid, but it has been a concern, man. Like, in fact, it probably should have been way higher on this list. You kind of, you know, you blew it with one pick, but you made up for it with that one. So, like, congratulations to you. But you're right. Like, this does come back to the salary cap being a real pain in the ass, especially for this franchise more than anyone else. And uh, I, I, I just think that relying on guys to take hometown discounts when nobody else does it, and when you're a player further down the line, it's harder to expect it, and it's, and it's impossible at this point to be mad about it. So, yeah, if he has a career season and he wants to capitalize on that financially, like it's gone. Like The ability to criticize is gone. He just he can do it. He can leave. He can get it. Like it, it's, Take him it's off just, the power play because he's yeah. playing 40, uh, about 40 seconds more per game this season. It's all been on yeah. the power play. He's just, just getting okay. 45 seconds more per game on the power play, and it's worked so well. So how do you do it? Uh, how do you take him off it? Because you're trying to save a couple extra ducats. Man, I love, I, I love Zach Hyman with my whole heart and soul, but we got a, we got a preview of life without Morgan Riley last year when he was injured, and mm-hmm. I didn't like it, fellas. Yeah, but that's when they had Cody Cece and Tyson Berry and uh, a bunch of nobodies. Now it's a little bit of a different story. Like, I, I don't think Morgan Riley is – I'll just say it. I think he's the fourth most important defenseman on this team right now. Like, if you told yeah, me, hey, the Leafs, I, I'm saying, I'm, if, if I was told right now, hey, Leafs are going to go into the playoffs and one of the top four defensemen has to go missing, I would choose Riley and I would say he's got to be the guy that gets scratched. I just think that the year that Hall is having, he and Muzzin, that that's more important than anything. And I think TJ Brody is just, like, sneakily been awesome. And there's probably, like, some shot share numbers that are not very good with him, but I also think a lot of that has to do with playing with Morgan Riley and the fact that, you know, he's he's basically playing as a fourth forward every single night. I, and I think Morgan Riley's great. Like, this is not supposed to be a shot at him. I just think that the Leafs' blue line has been spectacular. They've been one of the stories of the season. And, yeah, now they just have real stability back there. Again, like, it goes to the conversation, the reason why we're here, that we're supposed to be complaining about things. And now I'm saying Morgan Riley is not one of the best, is not the Leafs' best defenseman. It's like, yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches for this team this season. Dangle, you got one more pick. You going to make one? Is it just my bad takes about Morgan Riley? Um, it should be. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to complain. I'm being, yeah, okay, here it is. I'm being lectured about the salary cap and what the Leafs can and can't do and who they can and can't sign. You're making me yeah. choose between fan favorite Zach Hyman yeah. And, yeah. and fan favorite Morgan Riley. You're making me choose between these heart and soul players yeah. fr- from a guy who can't even count. Yeah. I'm expected to trust your salary cap takes when no. you're like, all right, I've got one pick, I've got yeah. two picks, and I think I've three picks as well. Yeah. I'm supposed to take your, your financial yeah. advice, J.D. Bunkus, how dare no. you? No. Don't take uh, the money, don't talk to David Ayers, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't do your job. Don't do your job. Don't. <laughs> don't. Show us where your true allegiances lie. You know, it would have been a really cool thing if you would have gone and done that David Ayers thing and then just laid the lumber across the back of his legs. I'm just saying, like, you could have done that. You had that opportunity. It was right there for you. You could have gone been famous. Uh, like, you don't think that you could have started a Patreon The people would have paid for your fines, for your legal fees? Of course they would have. Of course the people no. would have paid for that. I would have contributed to that. He did a historic thing. He yeah. did a historic yeah. thing. We'll be like, what was the last public thing David Ayers did before he yeah. 
faded into oblivion. It was like no, he did that I told you. Thing. I told you. No, David Ayers is going to be at the no. X. He's going to be at the X, and he's going to be <laughs> signing hockey pucks until the day I die. Like that's his destiny. Like he's never leaving. He's never leaving. He will always be Toronto famous. He will always be a gimmick that you can pull, and like it's just going to last forever. You you guys saw the video. I would have hit yes. him once. He would have hit me yeah. 450 consecutive times after that. That dude's <laughs> an athlete. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. But it was worth it. But it would be worth it for that one shot, you know? Like, you'd be the guy that would have hit David Ayers. Okay, uh, last one for me. Um, well, uh, we're not doing the salary cap. Okay, I got this. This is There's going to be eight more games this year that start after 7 o'clock. And I think that's disrespectful to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, the fact that they're <laughs> a... They're the team that everybody cares about. Everybody in every other city in Canada basically cheers for them anyways. Like, they pay attention to them. They love them. They secretly wish they could be a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's fun to cheer for the sexy big team in the big market that has the most fans and has Austin Matthews, best player in hockey right now. Like, it's just, it's just fun, and I get it. And the rest of Canada, you know that it's only fair that where the most fans are and that, frankly, the best team is – that you should have to acquiesce to our time zone. And so eight times is eight times too many, if you ask me. Maybe like the eight o'clock ones, those are sort of okay. I can live with that. But 10 yeah. o'clock is absurd, and we all know it. Well, yeah, not well, what 10. Is going- 10 on a Monday? Yeah, I know. On a that, Monday? That's what I mean. How dare they? How dare those rest of inferior parts of Canada tell us how to live? Like, that's not right. And it's in the mountain time zone. They're not even yeah. in the Pacific time right. zone. Like, what's going on? That's a late game for yeah. people in Alberta. They're like, yeah. oh, gosh, do we have to stay up this late to watch the Oilers? Like, yeah, yeah come no, on. What are we doing for here? Sure. No, let's definitely let Vancouver have a say. Like, we need to figure out when Vancouver wants to play everyone. Oh, okay. No, this makes sense. This is great. This is really great. So, yeah, that's what I'm taking with my final pick. Um, inferior markets, smaller fan bases. Teams that no one really cares about. And the only reason they do is because they're in the division with the Maple Leafs now, right? Like, that's the thing. is like you got the privilege of being in the same division as the Maple Leafs. Now everybody knows you and sees the teams and uh, knows who your players are because you play against Toronto and now you make people stay up late at night. It's just it's, it's no way to repay people. It just really isn't. It's just awful. It's a bad look for the rest of Canada that claims it's so nice. Imagine having to, like, bend your schedule to a market with – Andrew Walker and his frosted tips. I know. Like, I, yeah, I just, exactly. I can't believe it. I can't yeah, believe it. What's your show, Vancouver? We have the Andrew Walker show. It's like, oh, okay, and we have to do that. We have to come on with you. Like, we have to do your time. No, it's it's unacceptable. Uh, Dangle, this was great. I feel more like myself having things to have complained about. This this was great today. Yeah, it, it felt good to get back to my roots, you know? Yeah, it did. It really did. It really did feel good. Uh <laughs> Steve Dangle, author of This Team is Ruining My Life, podcaster, digital host, trader, all of the above. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Don't forget, good counter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. You are a good counter. See you, pal. Especially of his own money. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He does that quite well. <laughs> yeah. Who wouldn't? All right. Speaking of which, let's check the stock market during the break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as if you weren't doing that during the show already. Roles are important. Knowing where you stand, knowing what your job is, know where you are in the pecking order. And going into this three-game series against the Toronto Maple Leafs, Edmonton Oilers thought their role might be challenger to the Maple Leafs atop the North Division. Potential, potential. 
potential. Potential overtakers of the Toronto Maple Leafs. If all things went according to Hoyle for them in this three-game series. Hasn't exactly worked out that well. Have yet to score a goal through the uh, first two games. Game three goes tonight, 8 o'clock on uh, Sportsnet Scotiabank. Wednesday night hockey. Louis DeBrusque is in Edmonton. Um, he knows all those narratives. He joins us right now at the <laughs> NHL on Sportsnet. How's it going, Louis? Doing great, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing well, bud. Yeah, doing very well. Yeah, did I overstate yeah. it? Do, is, no. is, is that accurate? No. I meant what you know. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> but yeah, you know yeah. what, listen, uh, we, it was a big buildup. No question about it, rightfully so. You've got two of the best teams in the division going at it. There's a potential that there could be a change. Um, but as you did state, uh, listen, they haven't been able to get the job done in Edmonton. And Toronto, give them credit, two fantastic games. Maybe two of the best defensive games I've seen them play all year long. And they had to play that way without Austin Matthews and defending Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, the two most offensive guys in the league. Um, you know what? You have to have a game plan. You have to be a team, and you have to do it together. And I thought they put on a display. I really did. I thought they made it very, very difficult to generate high-quality chances. In saying that, I still thought Edmonton did generate some chances. So th- there was some opportunities there. And, you know, listen, for, for Campbell and Hutchinson, they got some great goaltending and back-to-back games. And But it's exciting hockey. The games were closer than what the scores showed but it was a display of how to shut down a game once you had the lead by Toronto in two straight games. No, absolutely they did, but it also highlighted how bad Edmonton's goaltending is, and it hasn't been good for a long time, and it's still, man, it's still really hard to understand how Peter Shirelli was able to give Miko Koskinen four and a half million bucks for three years, um, especially when he was on the way out. Do you think that there's a way that the Oilers can address this? Because it's, it's not going to be an easy thing to do, but is it going to be a priority going into the deadline for them? Because it does seem like there's a lot of pressure on them this season. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on everybody. I find that it's just been ratcheted up everywhere. It's incredible. And rightfully so. I mean, this is what we're focusing on right now. The divisional play makes it that much more intense and that much more important. Every game seems like a playoff game, which is great for us, but a little stressful for each organization and coaches are going to be a little grayer at the end of the season. Um, with the way the games have gone back and forth. But, and you know what, listen, I think this North division is, uh, is really tight. It's going to be a grind right down to the end. You've got three teams right now that are playing really, really well in Winnipeg, Edmonton, Toronto, as far as the last little while to kind of bolster up to the top of the division. But you're never really that far away from somebody having a good stretch and being right on your heels or over, overpassing you. So that's what makes it so great for us. But, yeah, listen, I do believe it's a concern. Uh, it's been a concern for a while in Edmonton. Uh, Miko Koskinen, listen, he stepped in and played 10 straight, the Lions shirt early on with Mike Smith down. So, really, he didn't have any help or backup in that regard. Is there fatigue in there? I'm not sure. Listen, it's the timing of the bad goals for me it's not necessarily the overall game it's given up that bad goal at a real untimely time just a, a, a real critical situation in the game and you know listen it's one nothing neilander scores that backhand goal in in, in the game uh, on uh monday and you know for me i've always i've always said backhanders for me are a little more difficult for goaltenders to pick up but as big as he is uh, he should have been able to come out knowing that the defenseman was kind of on neilander and had to force him to make that shot just come out and block that one. Just come out and just make sure it hits you being six foot seven. And we've talked a lot about that. For a goalie of his size, he just doesn't, for me, have enough pucks to just hit him. 
You know, and, and, and I mean, I know that sounds simple to say that, but just being in the right position is the first part of great goaltending, tracking the puck while being in that right position and then, you know, not giving the shooter a whole lot to shoot at. And then every once in a while, you're going to have to come up with a 10-beller. And on the opposite side of it, we saw Hutchinson come up with a few dandies early on, and that just completely changed the flow of the game. It really did. There was point blankers that he made the saves on. One or two of those going for Edmonton, it's a completely different game because now the Leafs are chasing which every team, whether they want to admit it or not, is just not as effective when they're chasing the game. They're not. Uh, teams can sit back. They can pick you off, and especially transitional teams can really make you pay when you make mistakes. But uh, goaltending is an issue. Mike Smith's come in and played very, very well for them in this little stretch, but it's certainly something that they want to try and uh, try and remedy. Every single team needs good goaltending, and Edmonton is no different. They haven't gotten it up to this date, and they've still been able to manage to stay in the top three in the division. Sorry about my dog losing it. No, it's okay. You know why he's losing it? Because you're like, yeah, you know, like Mike Smith's been all right. And he's like, no, no, but they they need a better guy. They 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 need someone else that isn't 38-year-old Mike Smith. Uh, yeah, I just – I. I guess the Oilers, this this urgency has come into a little bit more focus. And, and I know that we do this, and it's Toronto, and it's always a little bit added extra and whatever. But that they play these games against the Leafs, and they could have gone either way. And I, I still think that they end up facing each other in a playoff series. Who knows how it breaks or whatever. But the Oilers have this offseason coming up where Koskinen and Neal are still tied up for more than $10 million combined. They don't have a second. They don't have a third. Larson's a free agent, and so is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. It, it does kind of feel like, hey, um, you don't get it done in a season where the division is weak and you have a real opportunity to end up in a conference finals. Basically, you just have to get through the team, potentially, that has now beaten you two straight games that, yeah, it could be kind of a facelift offseason. Like, you could see some pretty drastic changes with this organization. Well, I kind of expect it. You know, this yeah. is this is the thing. Anytime a new general manager comes in, a lot of times you're cleaning up the work from years past. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's not just as easy to do that for general managers in the league now. I mean, there's a lot of teams that will be dealing with that. And Edmonton's no different. There, there's going to be questions to be answered throughout this year, and they have to concentrate on that right now. What's going to happen to the end of this year in an opportunity, as you guys have mentioned, and I agree with you, um, you know, this is this is a real opportunity to – to make some noise and get out of your division and have, have a chance at a Stanley Cup. You know, the team that comes out of each division is in the conference final. It's, you know, listen, these are teams you're playing all year long. You should have a pretty good scouting report and understanding of how each team plays respectively by the end of this, this season and going into the playoffs. It's going to be, in my opinion, some of the best hockey we're going to see because it'll bring out the best with teams that have that familiarity. But at the same time, there's, there's definitely some housekeeping to do. There's some housekeeping for the Oilers and for a lot of teams, respectively, for that matter, going into the season. Trades are going to be tougher, no question about it. We've seen what happens with the quarantine, with the border restric- uh, restrictions, just the, the pack, fact that it's a pandemic. I mean, it's a crazy year. It really is. But through all of that, you still have to focus on the task at hand, and that's trying to be the best you can possibly be. Um, but no question, goaltending is an issue in Edmonton. It has been an issue. Um, last year, they, they did a pretty good job as a one-two punch, and I think they want to try and get back to some semblance of that this year. And it's a couple losses. And, and I'm not the kind of guy that sits here and says, after a couple losses with a team that's still top three in the division, could easily have jumped over, over the lease if they would have won those two games, which I agree could have easily gone the other way too. It, I don't think it's time to panic just yet. I really don't, because there's not a whole lot you can do in this situation in the middle of the season with the type of season that it is. That's just my opinion. If there is an opportunity to maybe, 
you know, they did pick up Alex Stalock. Do they start to give him an opportunity? Do they start to rest Koskinen or, you know, see if Stalock can step in there and give him some solid goaltending, which he has in the past? There's options there now. They do have a third goaltender that has, you know, some some NHL games experience and is, you know, an older guy that's been around, a journeyman that can, you know, maybe settle things down and step in there and provide some good goaltending. I'm not sure what direction they're going to go, but that's another option. But, again, it's very difficult midseason here when every single team is trying to deal with the same things to uh, make a big change. So I just don't see it during the season. Hard to harp too much on the goaltending when you don't score a goal in, in two Absolutely. Games. You know, that's, that's... <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. And, listen, they only took one each game. So I think, first and foremost, uh, the for me, the Edmonton Oilers have the ability to score more than three goals a game. They do. I mean, yeah. you're you're talking about two very offensive teams here that when they get on a roll can put the puck in the back of the net with the best of them. I mean, the numbers don't lie in the North Division. It's a high-scoring division. So, But at the same time, I do believe that teams are starting to morph into more of playoff teams now. I just I can see a tightening up in the defensive zone. I see a tightening up in the neutral zone. It's not as freewheeling as it was early on. And I think teams, you know, especially – the Leafs and Edmonton, two teams that that's always talked about. They have all this offensive talent, but you have to go and play the right way. You have to go and defend. And when you buy in, you have that offensive ability to make good on your opportunities when you create them out of the right structure. And you know what? Listen, I think it's great hockey. I really do. I, you know, for me, I've always been, I've always liked tight checking games. I've always liked hard fought games. I've always liked fast games. And I thought both games, the Saturday game and especially the Monday game, we're pretty fast games, and I expect a faster game tonight. I do. I just think both teams now, it's okay. That third game's up for grabs, so at least you know they want to finish off this set. And for the Oilers, they're saying, no way you're going to come in here and win three in a row. They're going to probably have their best push of the three games, so it should be a great one. Yeah, and you saw at the end of that Oilers game just like Mike Smith, the way that he acted, Darnell Nurse, the way that he was yep. going after guys. Like it starts to get chippy, and you feel like maybe that's a message from those guys of two things. One, that they need to wake up and, and take that next game seriously if they want to stay in the hunt with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But two is that, okay, you mentioned it, dude, that the Leafs are a pretty sound defensive team now. Like they did give up some chances, and Michael Hutchinson and Jack Campbell both had to make some big saves, just like Freddie mm-hmm. Anderson has had to make big saves all season. But that's also part of the gig. Nobody shuts it down completely. The Leafs are not that group anymore that you can just get into, you know, a fire wagon game with, and that if you fall down a couple of goals, you can expect that it's going to be easy to put yourself back into it. Okay, so they've changed that. We've all acknowledged it. Are they still a team where you can test their physicality right now? Oh, like there's no Wayne Simmons in the lineup. Do you think Edmonton comes out with a little bit more of a strategy like Montreal has this season where they say, hey, we are going to hit them early, we're going to hit them often, and we are just going to do it all game long, and we are going to see if they can withstand that. That That's the next test for the Toronto Maple Leafs in this matchup. I can't agree more. I can't agree more. And I think that message at the end of the game, Darnell Nurse, a little bump on the goalie after Mike Smith takes a little bit of a shoulder from Hyman, even though he came out and played aggressively, he, was, he wasn't happy. You know, he's just one of those emotional guys. He's going to get the start for sure tonight. We know that. And, you know, listen, I, I, I do agree with you that the one thing that I think they need to do, Edmonton, that is, is they need to make it a little bit more of a grind. They need to make it a little bit more of a physical game. And I'll say this, you know, every single team goes up against Connor McDavid, and it's a group mentality, and they make it a really difficult night on him. Every single night every single team that he plays against he has to deal with that the Leafs have done a terrific job 
in the games that they've won against him doing that, really limiting what he can do. And he still does get his chances, but he's got to work real hard for those opportunities, which he's willing to do. Now, on the flip side, did they make Mitch Marner work that hard for his opportunities? Did they give him an extra one after the whistle? Did you see any physical contact on Mitch Marner, who I think is one of the smartest players in the game? And listen, he's not going to let you just hit him. He's really intelligent. He's not going to just stand there and let you bulldoze him over. But you have to be willing to make it a really tough night on their best players too. And I think that's going to be the switch. That'll be the next step for me, for the Edmonton Oilers, is targeting key players on the opposition, uh, instead of focusing entirely on their own game, making it a more difficult game for the best players on the other team. And we just haven't seen enough of that. And that's something that I do believe that message at the end of the game was signaling they're going to try and go in and make this a little bit more of a scrappy game. It's a different type of game nowadays, guys. Listen, I'm not expecting Darnell Nurse or anybody to go out there and look to drop the gloves. There might be some of that. I'm sure some of it's going to carry over. We saw what happened with Chase on and VC at the end of the game. They get into it. I love that stuff. Listen. Okay, that's what it should be. When you play somebody nine, ten times, this should be how you feel about each other when you're done. Like this, It's starting to build up every game where the dislike is growing, and that makes for great hockey. But at the same time, you're talking about two very, very potent power plays. So how far do you want to go with that? You have to try and walk that line of being very physical, very aggressive, making it difficult, but stay out of that penalty box. Because boy, oh boy, when these two teams are firing on all cylinders in the power play, they can make you pay. Just don't try. Uh, don't uh, go after Travis Dermott. I don't know if you've seen the video. Zach Bogosian was giving him fighting uh, lessons <laughs> at practice the other day. So, like Travis Dermott's ready to go. He's obviously expecting fireworks tonight. <laughs> well, listen. You know what though? That's great though. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you what, I was a tough guy. So I, you know, listen. I, I I've been in my share of fights. I think you still and, are, buddy. <laughs> but, but, I, but listen. I can, but I can tell you this right now. I can tell you this. I love seeing guys that don't typically scrap throw down. And just like they like to see tough guys score goals, we like to see guys that don't typically throw down, throw down. Yeah, and listen, I don't want to see guys get hurt. I like the emotion. I like it when guys get out of their comfort zone. I like it when they do things that are just not kind of in their makeup and they surprise you. You know, we saw Nikolai Ehlers the other night fighting Corey Perry. And I'm thinking he's going to get killed. But he's fought a few tough guys, you know. And all that says to me is, He's willing to fight for what he wants. He's willing to fight for his team. He's willing to fight for his space. And if you're going to give him a hard time, eventually he's going to get his back up and say enough is enough, and you're only going to gain respect around the league for that. So, listen, I do expect a little bit of fireworks. I expect more chippiness. Uh, I think that benefits Edmonton. I truly do. I think they have a little bit better of a team built for that. But on the flip side, and yes, I know I've seen the the Leafs play uh, my son's Boston Bruins a couple times in the playoffs going seven games. This Leafs team is a different Leafs team. I will tell you that right now. From watching them over the years, this is a a different team. And I know I've got a little different view from it because I'm here in Edmonton and I know it's a little bit of a hot topic. But that was a display. They they really did shut things down for two games. and, And that's a real step forward for them. Uh, and they're bigger and they're stronger. Their back end is, is solidified. They've got some guys back there that have a little weight, have a little muscle, can make it a difficult night on you. Like I said, I think the games have been really, really good. I, I, obviously, you wish they were a little closer because it becomes that much more exciting. But at the same time, the pace, the skill, and now hopefully a little bit more physicality will be involved tonight, which just tells me that it's even more of a playoff game. Yeah, I think so too. And Okay, so we said it. You, I'm going a little off script here. I'm going a little off the 
Uh, I'm not a yeah. little. I'm going majorly I, off script here. I would like I, to see it. I'll tell you that. I mean, I've, I've covered a lot of Oilers games this year, and I would love to see it. I would like to see that push back, and I'd like to yeah. see that push back in a physical way because I do think that from the start of both games, if you watch the first periods up until that first goal against for the Leafs, um, Edmonton, to me, had a little more jump. They were the team that came out a little more fired up. They were the ones that created very good high-quality ch- high chances early on. They haven't scored. A little frustration maybe settles in there, and you can really see that in the top players especially taking some penalties. But I just want to see a little more urgency in that regard. And, you know, um, the fact that Connor McDavid is such a target for the opposition, he's he's taken a lot this year. And, and, and to his credit, he's been able to battle through it for this year. He's been able to kind of weather that, go through it, and still be the top point producer in the National Hockey League. But at the same time, it comes to a point where you say to yourself, okay, who's going to push back on Edmonton now? Who's going to go make that a tough night for the Matthews, the Marners, the Tavares, the Nylanders? You know, it's time to go out there and make them have to fight for every inch that they're going to gain. And then you've got a hockey game. Now it, now it becomes a real good game. This is where I'm going off script because you said you were a tough guy. And like I said, I still think you are a tough guy. You <laughs> well, fought... You know I think I can kind of throw down still, but uh, yeah, I think so time. too. Hey, I'll, I'll tell you this: I, I'm not the fighting. Good thing yet. is, I don't want to. That's a good <laughs> yeah. sign. Yeah, that is a good sign. But <laughs> I, I've, I've, it just triggered something in me that I wanted to ask you a long time ago, which is, you fought Chara. You fought yeah, Chara, yeah. and then he plays with your son, and it's not like you know it would be a grudge or anything like that, but I wonder two things. One, it was kind of baby Chara who you fought. You fought oh, baby totally. Chara, <laughs> and how strong he was when he was baby Chara, but two, that that guy was still around to play with your son, and I wonder if he ever brought it up with your kid or your kid ever brought it up with him. Oh, 100% on the dad's yeah. trip. We talked about it for about half an hour in the back yes. of the bus, and the boys were laughing because you know they're, they're playing with a guy who fought one of their – teammates dads like yeah. it's like are you kidding me this guy's like been around forever but you know i have so much respect for a big z and you know what it's funny you say that because he was baby z he was not he and he told me that he was nervous and yeah. i said you're nervous i said i look turn around i see this six foot nine guy with his gloves <laughs> off and i'm like who is this guy right Wait, but here's the thing the thing is it was a terrible fight it was awful i didn't touch him with a punch i think i tried one it was about a foot and a half short and i'm like this yeah. is not good and he had me in such a vulnerable position honestly guys it was the most vulnerable I was ever in a fight where if he was the Chara of now, I might have a broken face. Let's put it that way. I might have plates in my face with how hard he would have probably hit me. But, you know, here's the thing. I just uh, I think it was awesome that uh, we got to have that conversation. I think it was awesome that my son got to experience a leader like him um, for a few years in the organization when he played there just to see how he goes about his business because I think he's one of the best at it. But uh, you know what? It's incredible how strong he was. You know, I, and listen, I always, I always consider myself a very strong player when I played, and that was one of my biggest assets when I fought is I didn't get overpowered almost ever. I was always able to handle a guy as far as strength was concerned. Um, yeah. But for Z and Steve Piander, who was the strength coach in Phoenix when I went to the Coyotes, um, had had Zdeno Chara when he was young in, in the Islanders there, and he said, this guy is a freak of nature. He was yeah. a freak of nature when he was young. At six foot nine, he could bench press 225 30 times. He could do 40, 50 chin-ups. Like, that is extreme for someone of his size. That is incredible. But it's the power of his mind, and I think we know that about Zdeno Chara. I was just talking about him the other day. You know, he speaks multiple languages. I think five to seven languages he's working on. He's gone back. He has his real estate license. I mean, he every single year it looks like he's, he's got a degree. He's always trying to 
always trying to work the mind because the mind is the powerful tool that works the body. This guy's always taking care of himself and why he's still playing. Yeah. yeah. I So while you were talking, I was like, I need to throw that on and see if I can get the play-by-play of the fight. He's like, yeah, you can tell that you're like really struggling with his size. Like who wouldn't? Yeah. But also yeah. when you get up, when you get up off the ice, you clearly let out a big bleep. <laughs> like you're like, you can tell there's an excellent, like you're like, what just happened with this big freak that just pulled me down with an MMA move basically oh, at the very man. end of the fight. He looks like he's about to try to put you in a triangle choke. It's hilarious, man. It's a great video. I'll, I'll tweet out a link to it, but it's great. Hey, thank listen, you fought him. Babies of your dot, you fought him. Like that's yeah, uh, God, that goes up God on the card. Down, right? Thank God <laughs> yeah. he fell down when we were fighting because I went yeah. to switch to left because I was like, every one of those little uppercuts he was throwing, believe it or not, was hitting oh, yeah. me. It was hitting me oh, right yeah. at the button. So I was like, oh, I believe it. I What's watched going it. on here. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was a terrible fight. I fought Gino Ojek earlier in the game, and then all of a sudden, off the face off, I turn around and here's this big guy standing there. I'm like, who is this guy? We didn't have the internet back then to do any yeah. scouting reports on players, so I had no idea who this guy was. And uh, yeah, the hockey gods are with me on that one. They saved me. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it is great. Uh, Louis, this was awesome. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely, Thanks, guys. Enjoy Take the care. game tonight, man. See ya. This is Louis DeBrusque, uh, the NHL and Sportsnet. Uh, Edmonton native, uh, fighter of Zidane Ochara, holder yeah. of his own. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. I think the way he described the fight is, is very accurate. It's very, very accurate. Uh, that was great, though. Um, again, you can always subscribe to this podcast. You can leave a review. You can follow it on Spotify. You can subscribe to it on iTunes. And uh, we'll catch you after tonight's game. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.